Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. It is another day, another podcast, and we have Mrs. Maria Ho on, or I guess Miss Maria Ho, Not you're not married. Miss Maria Ho is on the line here. Maria, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know what's up is you just took a nice <laughs> score in a WPT finishing in third place. I, I went to sleep. You know, I'm older now. I didn't get to sweat the whole thing. Got babies mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I woke up, saw you had a you know, third strong result. Huge field. I believe the fourth largest ever in the World Poker Tour. Pretty cool. That was from uh, April at the Hard Rock in Florida. Now they're doing the final tables later on and they're putting it on you know, Poker Go. They're doing high high production value, bringing everyone out to Vegas for these things. Uh, so you had to wait a bit, got to prepare, sort of like the November 9. Uh, you finished in third place. Congrats on that. Of course, you wanted to win, but talk to me a little bit about the tournament and maybe afterwards it looks like you might have been partying. I had a good night. So <laughs> run me through the whole, the whole deal. What's going on? Yeah, you probably noticed that I moved our podcast time back three hours. So, yeah, I had a lot of friends fly in because they had such a long uh, heads up to, like, come out here to sweat it. And so I wanted to make sure that whether I got first place or not, that we all had a really good time. So we definitely did that. And the tournament itself, you know, it was like there was just so much anticipation to wait 40 plus days to play something out. You know, I went through a whole mix of emotions before I got to yesterday. You know, at first I was a little bit excited and then I got nervous and then I was like preparing and then I felt overprepared and then I felt underprepared. And then yesterday I woke up feeling really, really excited and I was just ready to do the damn thing. And like, I didn't quite do the damn thing, you know, like I kind of did the damn thing. Um, but I feel overall really happy with how I played. I think there were one or two spots where I definitely felt like I could have done some alternative things, but um, I just want to take it as a learning experience and be able to move on from it. Cause in the past I used to be really hard on myself. You know, if I would make a mistake, I would dwell on it and I would really beat myself up over it. And I just realized that that doesn't really help me in the long run. So, yeah. So t- tell me a little bit about that. How, how does that feel? How is that preparing? Is that you've been? I think three now World Poker Tour final tables. I think I believe uh, four WSOP final tables, something like that. But this is different. Sort of, it really has that November nine feel. I mean, you had to wait what? So April. I mean, it was a month and a half, roughly somewhere yeah. in that round. Like, that's got to be a cool feeling, though, to to bag up in Florida and then be like, all right, I'm going to Vegas. Like, to kick off your World Series, it's it's got to feel really good to get that. It's big score, you know, thirty five hundred dollar buy in. You scored for three hundred some almost what three hundred fifty thousand roughly in that range. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's and giving your family and friends and all that. You do commentary. You're very public, very social. So I mean, that's that's got to be a great feeling to do and and be a part of so like would you say is this better than the other ones was it different or would you prefer this in general to have this kind of delay or what do you think on that it was definitely different um i obviously timing wise it was great because coming into the world series i already had something to look forward to i already knew that i would start off my summer kind of feeling 
what it would feel like to potentially win a tournament, to be in a good spot to win a tournament. Um, so that's really nice. And it really helps with, you know, the confidence level going into the series now, because I do feel like I'm playing well and it feels like I have momentum because even though I made this final table a month and a half ago, I feel like I'm carrying the momentum from the final table yesterday through to my world series. But as for the delay as a player from the player standpoint, I don't love it. I mean, I definitely think that there's something to be said for, you know, playing it out because you don't want these players and yourself. You kind of just want to not have the time to kind of study up even more on each other. You want to be able to just, um, to have it come down to who can adapt and adjust the quickest and who can kind of show up and is already ready and, has kind of the knowledge that is needed to close one out. So, you know, even though I studied, I'm sure everyone else did too. So it only made everybody else maybe a little bit tougher or they might've mixed some things up. Whereas if they played the final table out the very next day, they probably wouldn't have had a chance to really change anything about their game and the reads that I already had. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get why they do it. It's pretty cool, but it's also... Yeah, it adds some extra dynamic and element to it. I know the World Series switched now from the main. They're basically going all the way through. I think last year there was even like no break at all, like even a day, which is pretty crazy playing for seven days or whatever it is straight. Um, but yeah, anyway, you know, congrats again. I saw your hand. You even got it in the head. Ace five to king queen. Pretty dramatic run out. And uh, I mean, th- those scores, those scores are they're hard to get in poker these days, especially in how many entries? Over a thousand. It was the hard, somewhere in the is a huge yeah, amount. It was- over a thousand it was huge yeah yeah i was in that tournament with you here in my backyard of florida but you you made it to the end and talk to me very quickly about eric afriat because this guy so he actually won the largest wpt field size ever at the hard rock and i remember because i took 10th and then he won another bracelet and now he just finished second he had a chip lead heads up he did get it in um ace queen to kings i saw hit an ace i think he would have been out six though uh so obviously some run good in some key spots but you know it's it's crazy to me because i you know he's not uh like the typical wizard general you know younger guy it's been around for a bit like what was your experience playing with him i mean that's pretty crazy results he's having in these wpts for sure. And as far as I know, Eric still identifies himself as a rec player. You know, he doesn't play professionally. He has his own business, I believe. And um, I would say he's a very interesting player. He's definitely unpredictable, which in this day and age is really good because a lot of the Wizards are predictable, but in in obviously the best of ways, kind of, because if you're playing GTO, then yes, it does make you somewhat predictable, but only if someone else understands what you're doing as well. And Eric obviously doesn't play by those rules. And so that makes him a very, very dangerous player. Um, And he definitely did some interesting things. Like obviously there was a live stream and I had people watching it and keeping me updated on hands. And he, he took some really interesting lines. And I think that was a big reason why he was able to, after he got lucky with his all in, he was able to accumulate chips was because I think he was doing things that people probably don't expect people to do at final tables. So, yeah, I saw the, the, the do seven three bet. I saw some other interesting plays and you know, it, it was, it was definitely, it was funny cause I actually knew everybody at that final table, either directly or indirectly. I mean, it, it was pretty stacked and James Carolina Wayne's very good player. Um, Wong as well. Very talented. I know, I know the players, 
player Ami Alibi. He he did. A, I saw some kind of peculiar flatting with three four suited, um, but he's. Uh, I know him from Montreal as well. And uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Well, and then uh, Chad Evsledge. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but I know he's a pro as well. So it was a tough table. This was like in that big of a field, you would expect kind of just some random people maybe to make it, but it was uh, it was very very heavily weighted and, and a lot of known names. So yeah, that that was again. Well, I don't want to spend the whole podcast on that. Congrats on that. I'm glad you went out and had a good time. We yeah. moved the podcast back. You have so many interesting <laughs> things to talk about. I mean, you've done Amazing Race. You've done, um, uh, I believe, I want to say, there's the other big show, American Idol. Was that the original or what? Correct yeah, me I was on American Idol. Like, I made it somewhat far, but not really far. So it was a long time ago. It was season three. Um, so, I mean, I was 18, I think, or maybe even younger. That's, that's so. pretty cool experience. And then you were on, I believe Tiffany, Michelle, amazing race. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Cause I know that you had, I, I we've talked about it a bit before it's been a while. I mean, that show, I guess it's still in the air. I think so many seasons and a lot of fun. Like, was that something that stands out? Like, did you absolutely love it? Or was it kind of one of those things where it's a show <laughs> you're sitting around a lot. It's sort of scripted. Like, what was that like? Did, did was it just a blast or was it kind of like, not quite as um, hyped up as maybe it would. I would imagine it's just a lot of fun, especially to go on one of your best friends and run around the world for playing for prize money. Yeah, honestly, it was the toughest thing I've ever done, but it is by far one of the most, probably the most memorable experience of my life so far. And it really was not scripted at all. It was honestly so true to its really competitive nature, which is, you know, when they say go, you go and the cameras are just following you. There's no such thing as like getting help or hints. They don't really try to alter, you know, who does well and who doesn't. Of course, I'm sure there's people that they feel like are better for TV that they would want to stick around, but they never do anything to help those people. I never felt like anything felt rigged or whatever. It was a very, very honest competition. And, you know, it's, it's very rare in life where you get in situations where you're tested to see what you're made of every single day. And every single day I was faced with crazy challenges where I was just like, wow, I don't think I could do this. I don't know how to do this, but you just had to do it because otherwise you would be eliminated. And so having Tiffany there was like a huge help because if it was just me, I say this all the time. If it was just me, I would have quit, but I didn't want to let her down. And so having a teammate and not wanting to lose it for her was what kept me going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, you know, again, that's uh, it's a great, you've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff. It's those are very interesting um, to have on the resume. I don't, not too many people can say they've been on that show and done American Idol. Uh, I've got some shout outs in the chat. What's up Sheffield 16. We have Mitch hash, some people joining us for the live on YouTube. Uh, Ongen some hard names to pronounce and we got bot lady gaming saying loved amazing race watch the whole season so yeah there's uh santiago hernandez vadrin in the chat a lot of others guys we are going to take your questions we have a giveaway on um twitter as well if you get the retweet out we're going to go through there's maria you i believe have the most or second most to daniel questions ever asked so there's a lot there's 50 maybe more that are i already see and then there's instagram as well so i want to make sure we set some time to answer some other questions at the end um i i know that it's interesting being you know they, they talk a lot about female and poker player i mean does that bother you do you think it's cool because i mean you I, you have several um you know they note it right in the espn the coverage of the world series the last woman standing is that something that's kind of fun for you to win to pick up some of these things or do you think it's or you know i've seen some in the gpi awards uh congrats on broadcaster of the year as well i believe this last year Correct. yeah thank you 
Yeah, so that we've got to slip that in there. But you know, there's these awards <laughs> for female player of the year, and and I, I forget one of the women who maybe Kate or someone won it and like made this big speech about. Mm-hmm. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. We're all the same and equal rights, and like even it was crazy to me to see someone you know that kind of behavior. But I, where do you fall in that? Do you think it's cool? Do you think it's good? Uh, how, what's your stance on women in poker, and how does it feel to be kind of recognized as one of the the, the top in the game? To be honest, I hope that this industry and this game will come to a place where we don't need to make that designation um, because there's just no inherent disadvantage that women have in poker to men. So I don't love the idea of somehow having this separation and having these different categories and having these accolades for women. But I will say that if those things are what helps get other women in the game. If that's something that maybe some woman starting out in poker would aspire to, you know, as a short-term goal is maybe to be the last woman standing in a big tournament or something like that, then I think that's great because we're still, what we're really trying to do is we still want to increase the number of women who are interested in playing poker. But at some point, I just really want us to all, as a community, realize that probably grouping us separately sometimes might be doing more harm than good. But at this point, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with it. And I can celebrate that for women in general if if it's a positive thing for them. But for me, at this point in my career, I don't really, you know, hang my hat on those um, titles. Like I don't, I don't tell people like, Hey, I was the last woman standing in the world series of poker main event, because to me, I just want to be the last person standing. And so ultimately that's my goal in every tournament that I play. Very well said. I think that kind of sums it up. I saw bot lady asking, why are we the, why uh, are we a minority? And then she kind of said exactly. I think that that sums it up. And, uh, Awesome. That's that's cool. I wanted I wanted to talk to you about a hand that maybe this might have been a I believe it was 2007. It was your first World Series of Poker. A mutual friend of ours who I think you may already know where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, Tim Begley. He was, um, this is interesting because this actually, I told you my dad does some research and, and, you know, I knew, I didn't know what year it was, but I guess it was 2007 and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the last woman standing and this was a, you know, you, you went very deep for a large score. I think I'm trying to see, I just saw it and now I don't see it, but I think you scored for like 200 and, uh, okay. You got 38th place out of 6,358 players in the 10,000 World Series of Poker main event. It's like, you know, those of you don't know, it's the biggest, the most prestigious tournament in poker. Um, this was when the poker had started snowballed this event. Huge, huge entrance. You end up 38th, which is just so crazy deep. And you were the last woman standing. Uh, I was talking to Tim the other day. And do you remember this hand? I believe it was yeah. Ace King Ace King to Queens. And I don't know how many were left at the time, if it was on the money bubble or shortly after. Or maybe you could talk me through this hand. And I mean, this was a huge pot at the time um and you ended up making the call i believe you had the queens maybe he had ace king and was after the flop but is that is that uh is that fair to say that's a pivotal hand in your career in your life because i mean who knows if you go out there or you or you don't call yeah can you talk talk to me about that hand a little bit yeah i mean i don't remember like the precise action but basically you know it was all in for my tournament life that i had to call off and i think it was like an open raise and I think I three bet and I think Tim Begley might have four bet and I called and then he just like jammed flop for almost pot on 
I don't know, it was like a low board. And I just, and it was fairly deep already in, in the main event, you know, maybe like top 200 or something like that, or 300 or maybe less. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, of course this guy could have aces or kings here. Like, right. But, you know, and, and back then, I don't think people paid that much attention to bet sizing. Like now, when you think about it, would somebody jam for pot? Like, probably not. Um, but also, I think I'm not trying to get super technical with yeah. poker terms, but, but like stack to pot ratio, he it's probably like at most a two street hand anyway. So maybe he can jam for pot, like almost pot, like, you know, whatever. Like looking back now, I think I could have maybe had an easier decision knowing what I know now, but in 2007, definitely didn't know any of that stuff. And so it was just kind of a scary spot for me because to get that deep in the main event, my second time ever playing was so crazy. And of course you just want to stay in the tournament and you'd never want to be all in for your tournament life in a spot where you're uncertain if you have the best hand. Um, And I just remember tanking. And then I looked over at Tim Begley and his neck, like the longer I told, the more, the harder his neck pulse became. It felt like it was literally going to come out of the side of his neck. And I was just like, F it. He's, he doesn't have anything. And I like called, called it off. And I still had a fade, you know, two overs um, with two streets to come. But it was, I swear it was like, he looked so nervous. I don't know if he'll like own up to this or not. That's I don't know. Awesome. Tim, that's Tim's, yeah, but... Tim's, Tim's cool as a cucumber. I, I can't imagine the neck pulse going, but he does wear scarves sometimes. I mean, listen, it's, uh, it's in 2007. Yeah. 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 It, but it was like a 10 minute tank or I mean, he, it was a long tank. I mean, it's a huge decision. Obviously if there's ever a time to tank. It's deep in the main event on a, you know, for your life and in, in a big spot. But yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Cause right. Like getting 38 huge, the money at the time, in, in terms, you know, I was talking about two hundred thirty thousand dollars score. I, I would guess in that two hundred twenty range would be like forty or fifty thousand. So a pretty significant difference. Plus, last woman standing. I mean, do you think that that run in particular was something that kept you really engaged, dialed, and, and kind of you rode that? Because that was sort of in poker's peak uh, time. So I mean, being the last woman standing, right or wrong, you know, in terms of separating it, does get you some extra notoriety. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. And, and do you think that was like a if you had not, let's say you lost that hand or you didn't go, do you think you would have been so into poker or do you, do you think you still would have found love for it and or hard to say? Yeah. Well, so at that point I was mainly playing cash games and I just decided to set aside a little bit of my cash game bankroll to play in tournaments. So definitely if I didn't have that big score pretty early on in my career, I don't think I would have continued to play tournaments. I would have definitely still played cash games, but I probably wouldn't have found myself in the tournament scene as much. So that just that cash and that infusion to my bankroll really kept me in tournaments, but also definitely the, the deep run and the last woman standing, it definitely opened up some doors and some opportunities for me. And because of that, I think, you know, it really was the snowball effect of what really got me kind of to this place. Yeah, 13 years later as crazy as it is to think that it's been 13 years but that's yeah. wild and have you been at the world series the entire time essentially maybe you know in and out for a wedding or something but are you basically every year since then you've been at the world series start to finish i didn't really start playing like a full schedule at the series until maybe 2011 or so 2010 but yeah so for like the last eight or nine years i pretty much played a full schedule at the series and this year is no different so 
Uh, I just was scrolling through some of the questions, just making sure we, we were kind of al- allocating time for that. And I saw someone asked, do you have a sister? Um, which I, I, that's on there as well. Your sister is a, is a Dr. Judy Ho, who is a uh, talk show, Face the Truth, which is on CBS Syndicate. Is that correct? I knew you had a sister. I didn't know that she was uh, she was on did a show on there. Is that true? Yeah, I I have one sibling and she's uh, older than me and she's a clinical psychologist and she does a lot of media. So she is a co-host on that show. Vivica A. Fox is the main host and um, she you can see her a lot on CNN and um, on a lot of different shows where they kind of bring in an expert in psychology. And my sister's awesome. So, yes, everybody follow my sister and she does great work. She's she's out there helping people, Jeff. She's not just playing poker, you know. Right. She's doing she's doing some uh, some serious work. That's good. That's good to hear. Well, I think implying here, just wanted to um, check on this because I, I think what he's implying is that you're you are you know I said Mrs. but it's Miss. But I know you're not married for sure. Someone implying you have a sister, but what is the Maria Ho uh, current? relationships that's all there's a lot of men out there uh you know poker show a lot of people watching what what's the what's maria ho's uh relationship status currently well i am single but i'm not really looking to date right now honestly i feel like i'm i'm a relationship kind of girl and i feel like i've always been in a lot of relationships throughout my life and this is kind of the time where I'm thinking I just want to work on myself and take some time for me because I usually kind of find myself in a relationship. And then, you know, a lot of the stuff that I want to work on on myself just kind of falls by the wayside because it's so easy to just get like immersed in the person you're with. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. So there you go. People out there that that has been Clarified, And I, I see someone else mentioning here, congrats on being drafted for the 25K Fantasy Draft, which is a pretty cool thing to, you know, be get some recognition from your peers. Uh, Sheffield 16 asking, how does that feel to be drafted and maybe sort of, you know, considered a, an elite player amongst your peers? I think the results, your results have shown that. Uh, how, does that. Is that cool for you? I mean, is it like, does is winning a GPI award or getting drafted, those kind of things, do they... Are those important to you? Does that give you validation? You know, kind of with poker's kind of hard with family, friends, you know, to, to people understand our madness. But does that is that something that is uh, reassuring to you? You really look up to and, and you have goals with that type of stuff or just kind of. For feel sure. Good? Yeah, no, it's definitely meaningful to me. I think that it's meaningful in a lot of ways to get you know, that affirmation from peers and from people that I respect, obviously the, the global poker award was really meaningful to me because I know that people in the industry voted for me. And these are people that I really admire in, in their own ways and in their own regard. So, um, it feels really good. And for the 25 K draft, it's really cool because I feel like I really put in the work. I put in the hours. I play the mixed games too. I feel like I do, see myself as being a good potential pick for someone. And so it just gives me extra motivation because poker is really just a, you know, it's not a team sport normally, but when someone drafts you for their 25 K team, then when I'm playing and I get deep in a tournament, I also think like, Oh, Hey, I might be able to put up some points for these people that drafted me. So it's just kind of a good way to have more camaraderie and have more incentive to do well. 
that's yeah no I, I'm with you on that stuff it is it does feel good and it's it's great to be recognized I'm looking here too as well you're on your hand in mob so I mean you got I want to talk a little bit about cash versus tournament so I was just looking at the all-time most popular players 592,000 registered hand in mob players you are you are scaling up the list quickly in 65th and just clicking on your name here uh, you know, almost near four million in tournament earnings, and like you mentioned, you had a cash game background. I mean, I'm scrolling through, which is a crazy now hand and mob. I mean, I love this site because you know, get the flags, you get to see where you've kind of been, sort of documents everything. Do you remember? It looks like 2005. Your first tournament you ever played, you got sixth, Hollywood Park, you made a final table. Uh, that's actually the same as me. I, I got a final table in my first ever tournament. Kind of got me hooked. Do you remember? Um, sort of that experience and like playing a tournament were you instantly hooked on tournaments or you're like this is what i want to do i want to do this as well or did you kind of think it was a waste of time or did, was this like a big transition for you to go from cash to tournaments and what split do you play now in cash to tournaments yeah i mean a hundred percent i so vividly remember that tournament i that was the first tournament i ever played and i final tabled and of course how can you not be bitten by the tournament poker bug when you do well because you always think it's a reflection of how good you are especially when you're new to the game and you don't realize how little you really know and so after i got made the final table i was like oh my gosh this tournament poker stuff is so easy like bring it on right uh, yeah. Obviously, we all end up learning the hard way that it's not that easy. But, um, you know, I definitely started playing more tournaments after that, but I was still primarily a cash game player. But nowadays, in the last seven to eight years, I've just worked, put a lot more work just into my tournament game. So these days, I'm playing probably like 95% tournaments and 5% cash games. I'll go and play a cash game because I enjoy the cash game lifestyle better. And if there's a good cash game, I definitely will jump in. But I am not like a cash game pro by any means. I'm sure there's a lot of players out there that are much better cash game players than me. But I'm very selective with my lineups. I don't have big ego you know i don't need to play in the toughest lineups for cash games i'll play in good spots yeah that makes yeah, perfect sense i'm in the same kind of boat we uh i, I see <laughs> you know you are from taiwan so you i i, I noticed because i was just checking ahead of mob as well i knew that you were born there i think you, you moved at the age of four correct me if i'm wrong um you, you might be number one on all-time taiwan list or, or if you were <laughs> if you identified on the hen and mob is that i don't know where you rank on that list but uh, t tell me a little bit about where that is in terms of taiwan in your heart are you do you go back a fair amount you have family still there what was that do you remember moving i mean i guess at the four years old sort of like the start of memories for me, I guess. So I don't know. Do you remember being there or was that hard to come over for your family in terms of transitioning or all you know really is living in California, born and raised? Yeah. So I definitely don't remember that much. <clears throat> By the way, you know, I partied hard when I'm like losing you should. my voice. You deserve it. That's good. I got the three hour <laughs> postponement. I knew it. I, when you that said postpone, I was like, oh, it might be a full day. I didn't know if we were going to about it i felt so bad because i'm actually pretty responsible um especially compared to poker players but i was like no i can't do this um <laughs> no don't worry it's all good we were we were pretty open today all good. <laughs> check out my ig stories if you guys want to know how big of a night i had i was definitely drinking sake straight from the bottle it's a 
Maria underscore hope. You guys, right, wanna... I pulled it up on the side here. It's on the screen right now, so they can see, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll scroll through the stories afterward. But um, um, yeah, going going yeah. back to Taiwan, I don't remember a lot from my childhood there, obviously because I was super young. But I did go back pretty much every year, starting when I was about a teenager, because I still had family that lived there. My grandmother, who who it has now passed we were very close to and we would go visit her and i love that like i love really remembering my roots and you know remembering where i came from my parents came from very humble beginnings and they're you know self-made after they moved to america and just it was a very typical american dream story for for my parents and so i love really just staying in touch with my culture with my heritage um i definitely a lot of people you know see me as like very americanized and and you know, people think I have a Valley girl accent or whatever, but I still identify very heavily with being Chinese and I'm really proud of where I've come from. So you speak Mandarin, correct? Yeah, I do. And how, how many lang- how many languages do you speak to then? Or, or I just speak to like, I took French in high school, but I don't remember anything. Right. All right. No, but, I, did but, I did this. Maria, I'm telling you, the more I know about you, the more similar we are. It's crazy yeah. in terms of like poker results as well. I think you, your best finish in the world series is second. <clears throat> yeah and mine as well and also in 2011 it was a fi- and a, it was yours a 5k buy-in yeah mine was a 5k buy-in second like place the same person, this is getting weird and we were commentators together on the world poker tour king yeah. of the club which so was fun. cool um our first ever ter- tournament we played was a final table and uh around yeah. the same time it's kind of it's getting a little weird uh on all that <laughs> so um yeah i want to but in taiwan how is it regarded with gaming and game um gambling is it like poker and that type of stuff is it popular is it other casinos there what's the what's yeah. the culture like there so actually, in the last few years, I think poker's gotten really popular in Taiwan. Um, there's a few players that would definitely know about the scene a little bit better than I do, like Kitty Po, obviously. But I know that she recently was in Taiwan. There was a big APT tour event there, and she brought a few of her friends out there. And as far as I know from everyone's trip report, you know, People love poker. They were really enthusiastic. And everyone that visits Taiwan likes it. I mean, the people there are super, super friendly. Um, And so I would imagine it's probably a pretty good place to play poker. I know that it's definitely getting very, very popular all over Asia, basically. And and so you you did say you go go back, you try to go back. When's the last time you were back there? Like a year and a half ago, I try to go back. I try to go back every year, but ever since you know my grandmother passed, I don't go back as often. But it's still very important to me to make time. So I'm definitely going to try to go with Kitty next time she goes. Yeah, Kitty, she's funny. She's a fun. Uh, she's I know she does a lot of funny posting, and and uh, yeah. she's very into poker, and that's cool. <laughs> um, what what uh in terms of poker, do you see yourself? Um, would you say you have more passion for the game now less kind of um you know where do you see yourself like five ten year thing do you do you see yourself still continue on the same path with poker is there other stuff you want to get into where, where do you kind of find your love for poker at the moment you know when i was just more early on in my poker career i think my interest in poker was more tied to my results so i feel like when i was doing good i was really interested when i was doing poorly i was less interested but lately in the last two years i've just kind of learned to enjoy learning more about the game and that's actually fueled my passion for poker again is just seeing me get better or feeling like I'm learning more and understanding the game more and that's really encouraging too because 
you just realize that you still have so much more to learn. And I'm the kind of person that I like very thirsty for this type of knowledge. So I feel like anytime I feel like, oh, wow, there's so much more that I can learn on this subject, or I can be so much better if I just put in this time. That's what really motivates me. So these days I'm really motivated by getting better at the game. And so right now I'm heavily, heavily passionate about poker and, you know, WSOP time. It's like a really, really easy time to be excited about poker. So I feel like I'm going to probably have a really good series because all of those things kind of line up for me right now. I mean, don't rub it in, Maria. I know it is fun time. WSOP is fun. I'm having a bit of uh, FOMO out here, not not being there. But, um, you know, that's, that is. It is exciting. You really can't kick your summer off to a better start than what you just did. Uh, very, very, very cool. And you um, would you say, like, is there a turning point in your career for that you think you maybe got better? Did it hit a wall? Like, in terms of you know, not going into super spe- specifics, obviously you're very connected in the poker world, have a lot of really – you know, high level players that are friends, which I know that that's always, it's nice to be able to discuss poker and learn. What, what do you think maybe was there a time or place or I don't know, a period of time that you feel you turned a corner? Is there something that you started studying more? Uh, was there a part of your game that you think you maybe plugged or changed that you, that shifted and sort of went to a new stratosphere? Like, do, do you kind of feel that way? Like you said, it's fun. I'm in the same boat where it's like, wow, I've been playing so long. There's so much information. You see the top crushers, and tournaments you obviously know there's some some tricks there's these solvers po and this and that uh, all this software that you can kind of work on um where for you what would you say though is there anything that you particularly do that you've you've kind of shifted in the last few years yeah i feel like i the first five years of my poker career i just spent learning the game through playing it and that was definitely before solvers anyways so there wasn't really that type of information out there but obviously there were some training sites at the time you know card runners back in the day um but i didn't really learn those ways i learned actually just by sitting down at the poker table and playing and figuring it kind of out as i go and then in the last few years there was definitely a shift where i felt like my game was getting a little stagnant and I realized that I had all these resources available to me that I wasn't really using. Um, For some reason, I had a weird thing about talking hands with people, probably because sometimes I didn't want to feel like all of my friendships in poker just revolved around poker, you know? So I like always tried to stay away from poker conversation. And I would also sometimes feel like I didn't want to openly talk about hands because maybe for the fear of being judged or something by my answer. But then I realized, you know, if I have all these people who would be happy to discuss with me and we can learn from each other, then why wouldn't I try to engage in those conversations more? So I definitely started having more of those conversations. And obviously I watch some training videos as well. And I, had different coaches for little bits of my, you know, learning curve the last couple of years too. So all of those things combined, I feel like has really transformed my game. And I'm really looking forward to just doing more work and seeing the progress because especially with the solver stuff, it's, it's hard. It's really tricky. It's not natural for me. That's not really how I learn. I'm not like that technical kind of learner, but I found a way to, you know, use that as a basis, but not get so deep into it that I can't really fully wrap my head around it and also just infuse that with what I already know and my life skills as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I make that sounds to make a lot of sense. I'm the same way. I, you know, I get it. I know there's these tools and all this stuff, but I don't. That's not really how I learn as well. I like to see visuals. I like to talk to people. I like to see what's going on and then kind of adjust or make my own version of it. So you know, I think that that sounds very similar. Um, I, I think Maria, as you looked at as one of the you know your ambassador uh, with uh, Poker Go, Poker Central, also with WinStar. You know, you're you're definitely a voice of the community. I, what do you think? that poker needs to do as an industry to get to the next level where do you see us right now now there's a lot like you see the big blind annie come in stock shot clocks come in these kind of things help with kind of recreationals or people to speed up the game there's a lot of tanking now kind of you know there's a lot of there's a, there's, there's always this good and bad new stuff coming and other problems emer- arising where do you think we are as an industry what do we need to do to kind of get poker to kind of loose broaden up again and real quick i just want to mention one of the stats that alarms me the most was the world series was a 21 to 25 year olds you know I, I don't know if you've seen this or I, I don't know the exact numbers i just remember seeing a year or two ago that's like it's crazy drop off like so that's like kind of showing that the you know makes sense in the u.s right there's not really online poker not as many 18 19 20 21 year olds are playing um that kind of worries me because like it's like but then again you see growth you know a lot of these stops new new tours are popping up party poker's doing crazy uh, their own series as well that's that's growing there's all these secondary third uh stops and a WinStar, which you represent i mean the numbers there are pretty crazy right you could talk a little about that but you know so there is growth there's signs of longevity i don't think poker's going anywhere necessarily but um I think the industry, my opinion is, you know, there needs to be a little bit of a, a shift in some ways. What, what do you think we could do? And, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I definitely do feel that live poker is still doing well and thriving in general. We see a lot of really, really big uh, fields, especially in fields that have re-entries. Um, but the price point has just gone down so significantly. You know, every major event used to be $10,000. And now I feel like the price point that really gets players out is 3500 So it's a couple of things like recognizing what our poker ecosystem can withstand in terms of there's just so many tournaments these days and they're kind of cannibalizing each other. And I don't think that helps poker grow. I think it's more fun to probably have less events, but for, for players to get more excited about them. Um, and as far as just growing the game, I definitely think for, from a viewership standpoint, all those things like shot clocks and stuff like that help a lot just for people to have a better viewing experience. Um, but I really just firmly believe that we really need to bring back the personality to poker. I think that it's, I think that's also why, you know, people like you and Lex and whoever else does so well on Twitch is like, you guys are showcasing your personality. You guys get to be excited about winning or losing a pot without someone at the table saying that you have bad etiquette. You know, I've definitely, I've shifted my attitude. I, a year or two ago, I was one of those people that would be like, oh yeah, this guy's celebrating at the table like, and roll my eyes at that. But then I realized like, why does that bother me? Like we're trained as poker players to keep all of our emotions so hidden because we think that it might affect our mental game. But 
for recreational players, what fun is it to play this game if they can't celebrate if they get lucky or if they can't celebrate if they win or if they can't get a little bit upset if they lose because this is the one time of the year that they're coming to play a live tournament, you know? Like, you just have to remember that it's about everybody having a good experience, not just for the pros to have the kind of setting that we want. And so I don't mind the loud mouths in poker. When you think about when you watched poker before, it was less about the hands and less about about the strategy and more about like, huh, I wonder who Bill Helmuth is going to berate today. I wonder what Mike the Mouth Matisau is going to say, you know, and those things were fun to watch because when people watch poker on TV, they want to follow the people. They want to follow the stories. If they become invested in you, they want you to win. They don't care that much if your aces hold up in a three bet pot and if you played it correctly, you know, that's not what they're going to remember. So yeah. I agree. I agree completely. These like Umberto Brennis's with the sharks and like the yeah. need that, that kind of flair. And it's, uh, I saw today, Patrick yeah. Leonard tweeted something about like Helmuth got three bet and then he got three bet again. And someone showed, showed a three of hearts. And then he said, he was like, I should have, you know, he like blew up and he's like, I should have 30 bracelets, like lost his <laughs> mind. And like, that's the kind of stuff like people, they, yeah, they love to see this type of dynamics and, and fun. And uh, I'm with you. It's, it's tricky. I think almost Jamie gold in a way, like that era was like the end of it like he got he, he pushed it so far I mean, he was showing cards like doing crazy stuff and i think that like you know, that implemented rules and changes and people kind of got like a little bit um touched by it and of course there's got to be a fine line but you know now it, it it really is like the dealers are essentially told trained like talking's not allowed like you can't talk to a guy and like you know i get it you can't say about like cards you have and stuff and like there, there should be some some lines but it becomes almost like where they're in they're basically like saying you can't talk to people and it, it gets like kind of weird you know like i think people almost get because people who come and play live for the first time are a little intimidated or scared anyway they're like kind of unsure how to do it what's right and wrong and then it's like no you can't talk to a player or like if someone talk and it just kind of gets a little bit i think that sort of gets ingrained in the system and, and i <laughs> agree that i think that would help a lot if it uh if it got to be more fun and there was more talking and more you know, a little less serious so i don't know how to do it exactly but i guess it just starts with everyone one person at a time and um yeah online is kind of fun to do the twitch but that's not you know you can't it's not uh the table it's different live than being able to you know online and just go crazy and say whatever you want on on any hand speaking of twitch you've done some streams i know you you've done some stuff with poker go poker central do you play online much anymore um do you is twitch something what are your thoughts on that like have you do you when's the last time you've streamed do you plan on streaming anymore um what's your whole take on the that whole yeah so first of all, I gotta say shout out to the homies because when I first started streaming, that was uh, that was the people in my uh, in my chat who were watching my streams. So I love that. they were referencing that on the WPT yeah. yesterday. I saw Jamie yeah. Kerstetter saying that. Um, uh, yeah, and so I like first of all, I think Twitch is obviously a great medium, and I did streams very early on um, in the era of Twitch for Poker Central, and then I branched off and did some of my own streams and I really enjoyed it, but it, it takes a lot out of you. Like my hats are off to all of you people that do stream online so regularly because it's just very difficult to kind of play and keep up with it. You hear like a feedback or is that just me? Um, uh, you- I didn't hear anything, but let me know. Okay, cool. if- uh, no, I think it went away. Um, but yeah, so I feel like 
I want to get back to streaming at some point, but I just don't know how much of a consistent basis I can do it because you really have to, you know, plan out your schedule to make time for these streams. And so I loved doing it though. I, the community was really great to me and I do still play online. Sometimes I, after black Friday, I, I moved to Canada actually. And I, uh, was able to reset up my PokerStars account from there. But nowadays, I only will play big events like scoops and whatever on, on and whatever else on party poker. And to par- don't leave party out there wrong. Party's coming in a big way, Maria. Come on, don't sleep on party yeah. poker. Yeah, no, I play, I have, I have, you know, an account on, on a lot of sites and I'll travel outside of the United States when there's a big series going on, like Power Fest or whatever. And I'll play at that point in time, but I don't regularly play online, but I always feel sharper when I play online. You know, I really enjoy, um, people are, online are really tough. So I feel like it's a good learning tool too. All right, there you go. There's a chance, Twitch. There's a chance to come back. And and wh- where do you stand on the YouTube vlog stuff? That's something you know, I've dabbled with uh, live. I like to do the highlights from Twitch. Pretty easy to do. Well, uh, have edited, but you know, doing live vlogs. Negron, you obviously, I know you and him are close. Uh, one of your good friends, and he does the vlogs or some other vlogs. And and to me, honestly, my opinion is um, they help a lot in poker. And you know, I, I remember my the first summer I started vlogging. I had my camera at the table, my media pass, and some guy came up to me and was like, man, the only reason I'm here is uh, Doug Polk. And he was like, you know, do you know Doug Polk? Like, do you know who this guy is? And I was like, you know, he's very polarizing. You like him, don't like him, what he does, he, how he, his antics. But, you know, this guy literally in like a 1500 WSOP event came up to me and was just like, no idea who I was. You know, because I hadn't done really much vlogging. I had just started, um, you know, whatever. But the guy like recognized Polk and, and from his vlogging, he was at the World Series. So it's like, you know, that's the type of stuff I see and realize that it helps these type of Twitch. You know, I think, I think like you mentioned some of the pros as well are kind of like, I don't know or whatever. But the reality is whether you think you're a good player or not a good player, the people that are on Twitch and doing YouTube vlogs, now they do generate content. They do get kind of wrecked. They, they help the ecosystem. And I think there's a little more understanding of that now. Uh, do, do you think that, like, does that bother you when you see someone vlogging at a table? Um, like, how, where, what are your thoughts on that? Would you consider doing a vlog or, or have you ever done some of that stuff? I know you do a lot of content, but. Yeah, no, I definitely have no problem with, you know, people who are vlogging or, or, you know, taking video and and things like that at the table. And honestly, I feel like it is a great way to grow the game because YouTube as a platform, it just really does kind of open new eyes to the game of poker and to personalities in poker. I would definitely consider doing it. I like toyed with the idea of doing a couple of vlogs, but it is a lot of work. You know, you just, you re- like, I see you walking around all the time and you always have your camera going. You're always filming stuff and capturing things to edit later on. And it's just like a full time side gig on top of playing and doing whatever else. And so it, you know, it's something that I would have to invest a lot of time in. And yeah. when it, I feel like I'm going to be able to do a good job, I'm not just going to do it to do it. So when I feel like I can invest that time and I'm very motivated to do it, then I definitely would probably get in that space as well. Well, it's wor- it is worth mentioning. And I, I, there's been a lot of learning process. Obviously, technology's gotten better. You know, I do have mm-hmm. some really great help with Vadrin and doing that. I don't do my own editing, which I can't. I know Andrew Nimi had been doing that, which, you know, it just I don't even know how it's possible. Like yeah. it's already I feel it's already overwhelming. Like you said, you know, you see me walk around it's like a crazy person with the camera. I've got it's gotten a lot easier and smoother and better. But, you know, to be fair, my first two non profitable WSOPs have been 
were the last two summers where I think I didn't have my best results and I was not even, you know, I didn't have a winning summer. And like looking back and there's a lot of times where I think I was like not fully present, a little bit late doing stuff, editing, uh, you know, so it is a lot of work. And like you said, even on Twitch, there's a sacrifice on your play. Like there's no question if you're playing four tables or six tables plus following a chat and doing that, like you're you're giving up some some edge, you're giving up some um some of your, uh, you know, focus and ability. So I, I think there is a little bit, you know, obviously there's variances and, and all those things, but yeah, there, it's a, it's, you know, you're busy, you got your stuff as well. Can't do it all. So I think that's important to sort of, yeah, make some cuts or, or decisions. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to Twitch, yeah. I'm going to YouTube, I'm going to this, I'm going to have a social life. I'm going to, you know, play amazing, do an amazing race and uh, all these things. You gotta, <laughs> gotta pick and choose. So fair enough. All right. There's hope for YouTube, maybe Twitch. Um, let's take, uh, um, oh, actually, just I want to ask you about this as a hot topic. Then we'll get into some questions. We're closing in on an hour, and there are a lot of great questions. So we'll do we'll get to those guys on uh, Twitter, and we have a retweet giveaway for you as well. So make sure you get your question in. Um, what do you feel about the packages uh, markup? You know, on the ground you had that packaged uh, photo that you got a lot of a thing, and they started doing his packages, and there was some stuff. Obviously, you know, Steak Kings, I use, I love it. Um, do you have you ever posted any packages? Do you think that would be something that would be like interesting for your fans, people, because you know that's one of the hard things, right? If you sell pieces, and I'm sure, again, I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I've done, I've sold pieces, I've swapped, I've done all that, and as it's known in the high roller circuit and a lot of other fields, I'm sure you've done some degree of either a swap at some point or you know sold a piece mm-hmm. to maybe a bigger buy-in. Uh, it, it, part of the annoying part of packages is like it, it, do, keeping track. Like if you're selling in this, are you, are you playing the 50k or you don't know? Or are you? I don't know. It'll depend on the field, so I'll probably like check it out in a couple hours and then decide if I'm not hungover right. <laughs> anymore. Game time decision. But like for that, for example, is that something? Do you think if it? Because the thing about posting those things, if it's done easily, because if you have to like say you want to sell, I don't know, twenty percent of your 50k, you don't want to be like on Twitter and collecting and mm-hmm. PayPal and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. But like, is that something that would be interesting to you to have where your fans could like for five dollars you could have a hundred people and you don't have to do anything? Like, is that something? Do have you get? I'm sure you get requests for people to buy pieces and stuff a lot. Yeah, I've never sold a package online, you know, whether it's on a site or even just putting it out there on Twitter. I don't, I, I mean, I only sell for um, buy-ins that are higher than 10K or 15K anyways. And so I don't play like a ton of those all the time. And so I do have like a private group of people that I sell those to. Right. Um, but, you know, I would be interested in doing what Dan, something like what Daniel did just because it was so cool. Like how big of a response he got was so cool. And I love that the fans get to sweat with you. I love the idea that people who just really love poker and love Daniel get to just who already read the live updates, who already follow how he's doing can, you know, also be financially invested as well in a way. I think that's super cool. So I would at some point definitely do something like that. I think that's really an awesome idea that he came up with. And I definitely could see myself doing that. Um, and as far as, you know, the whole controversy with packages yeah, the and markup and these things, that's another thing. Like, that's what I say. It's kind of crazy how like, you know, they're calling markup police, Sean Deeb and <laughs> these other people are calling people out and going crazy. I mean, that that's a whole nother topic. That's crazy. Like, what, what are your thoughts on the markup? It's I honestly like I feel like there is a line between kind of being 
scammy, scummy with markup. But for the most part, it really is just what the market can bear. I feel like ultimately, if you put all the facts out there and people still choose to buy at that markup, that's okay. I don't I don't see anything wrong with that because it's just an open market for that. Um, but of course, there are people like Sean Deep or whoever who can come in and criticize your markup, but that doesn't make you a bad person for deciding that that is what your edge is. It's so hard to quantify anyway what somebody's ROI is because right. live times especially, you're never going to have a big enough sample size. Yeah, and who's to say who's better? You know, he, they don't know what. Maybe you've been in the lab, you locked yourself for the last two months or <laughs> whatever. It's like, it's yeah. also to a lot of these people are um, well known in the industry and it's sort of like a tip, if you will. Or, I mean, plus there's, you know, cost travel, all these other things, mm-hmm. time and it's, it's a complicated mm-hmm. subject, but, you know, we can yeah. talk, we'll talk more about it off the stream. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, for me personally, yeah. uh, doing the package stuff is the most rewarding and the best thing I've ever done for in terms of engagement because you know you, it's a way where you can have two three hundred people for have like two to five dollars and they're just loving it sweating every update yeah. especially when you're online if you're on poker go or if you're on twitch or whatever and they can actually see your cards or kind of watch with you I mean it's it's a great experience I know rest in the 50k for example he he had five percent on state kings 494 people had a piece of that uh, of his uh 50k 1.2 million win so you know something like that where you can you know, imagine having 500 people like just like waiting on your every every move whether and that wasn't even you know televised most of it so um, yeah. yeah it's 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 cool I think it's great and obviously daniel being you know one of the if not the biggest uh, ambassador in the game kind of going down that route i think it is um it is cool to yeah, see that so cool. let's talk we'll talk afterward about that if you're interested i could definitely you know we could chat more about it uh let's let's hop into some questions so on twitter guys this is a uh $33 party poker ticket we're gonna give a draw we'll let maria choose when at the end of this we'll, we'll have her click the button um Let's kind of rip through some of these. We'll try to get a lot of them. There's, like I said, I think there's either the second most or the most questions ever asked, Maria. So we got, we got, a, we got a handful of stuff here. Um, when are you commentating on Twitch poker? Love your insights. So I kind of mentioned this, but I guess when, let's just do commentary. When's the next commentary people are going to see from you? Um, so for the WSOP, I have lined up that I will be doing commentary for 10K Horse. And the only way I would miss that is if I'm in day three of, I think it's a 5K or something before that. So, um, so I'll be doing commentary for that. And I will likely be doing commentary for the WSOP main event. So those are the next two things that are coming up. And, you know, after that, I I pretty regularly do commentary for, you know, WPT final tables that are streamed on Poker Go or, you know, once in a while for some of the Poker Go series that they have, the High Roller series. I jump into the booth sometimes. So you guys can catch some of my commentary for sure. There, I love I that I, it is fun. I like you said, in, unless you make a day three, that was one I've done that a few summers. I mean, I'm not there this summer, but it's it is hard to like it's so fun. It's fun to do commentary and it's great. It's just it would be nice to just be like, yeah, I want to pop in and do it. But the exactly. problem is, it's like you look at the schedule and now you're like three days, two days out. Like, well, if I make day two, I can't do this. And it's sort of distracting yeah. and, um, you know, it's fun. But I, I, I know I, it sounds like you're in the same boat. You love to play. You're here. It's the World <laughs> Series. Like you can do commentary yeah. for other stops and things. But, you know, you want to just get in there uh, and grind. I see cards chat in the chat. Hello, cards chat. Good to see you. Bot Lady Gaming says loves the sweats on state king so yeah i'm gonna try to twist maria's arm you know i'm biased state kings I'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna afterward try to grab her and see if we can uh get you guys get get her tied in there um wh- how did you 
uh, I think there's a translation issue, but how did you break step in the world of poker? Was could okay, I'm not sure I fully understand, but I guess basically saying, how did you get into the poker world? Let's just, let's, we'll uh, improvise. How how did you get into poker, Maria? How did you break into the poker world? It's a macho world, men, men's dominant sport. How did you get in? I feel like I kind of just banged my head against the wall a lot and then finally, you know, kept sticking with it. I mean, I learned poker in college. I had a bunch of guy friends who played and they taught me the game. I never considered doing it seriously, but after I graduated, I moved back to LA and I started playing at Commerce. And it was really tough. Like there were so many times where I thought to myself, yeah, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I could play professionally. Um, it was just very stressful, but I feel like that challenge really drove me to stick with it. I really wanted to see if I could push myself enough to be able to handle the emotional swings and the financial swings that come with playing poker. And so that's how I, I kind of just got stuck with it in the sense of I wanted to make sure that if I spent this time that I would end up succeeding and I wasn't going to stop until I did. And luckily for me, I did find success pretty early in my career and it just made it easier to stay with it. There you go, guys. There you heard it. Uh, congrats on the FT from Bot Lady saying, I miss your streams on Twitch. Would you consider coming back for the fans? So we kind of covered this already, Bot Lady. I believe Maria said she would consider it. Uh, she's done it. She's got the homies out there that are waiting if she does come back. So we did cover that. And I see uh, uh, Bot Lady says she just got a – she signed up for Poker Go today, guys. So listen, if you haven't signed up, Maria has her own – code for poker go so do i so you have options out there get your discount i think it's on your on your uh twitter page probably right as well yeah it's on my it's on my instagram for sure but yeah it's just maria and you get ten dollars off an annual subscription so all right guys well if it, it, listen it's either me or her so flip a coin out there if you don't <laughs> have it no it's her she's the <laughs> guest yeah, lean towards she was, so maybe we should do a dual yeah. code. <laughs> we should team up and split our split our <laughs> our, 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 our uh, pool there. Um, so you, uh, Maxi Arma asks, you have a specialization specialization in communications and a degree in law. Despite being a professional, you preferred to live poker. Uh, did this bring your family problems? They didn't accept decisions. So that's always a question I like to ask on here about family and poker. Was there how was that for you um, with breaking in? Did they was there any resistance from them initially? Uh, or did you segue it in sort of slowly? How did that go down? Yeah, I mean, for sure there was a lot of resistance, but they actually didn't really know I was playing professionally until after a year or so of me doing it um, because they just thought that I was taking time off of after graduating undergrad. They thought, oh, well, you know what? She, we'll let her, we'll give her a year where she can just travel and do whatever she wants. She saved up some money, but they had no idea that I was making, trying to make a living playing poker. So no, they didn't enjoy hearing about that at first. And I felt like it took a really long time for them to, to get to a point where they are now, where they're much more accepting. I mean, my parents were on my rail yesterday for my WPT final table. Um, I know that they're proud of me. I know that they love me. Um, it took them a while to vocalize that for sure, but I know that I, they have my that they have my back and they support me for sure now. And what about your sister? Was that a, was that hard for her to, to get over, or, or was that hard for her to no. be like, wow, like we? Just, I mean, she just was like, go girl, like do your thing, like whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, my sister's always been like, you do you, you know, my sister and I are very, very different. I feel like I'm the black sheep of the family. My sister's took, she took the more traditional route with her career. She's highly, highly successful, but we've always just been different people. So I'm not really surprised that this is how we ended up. Is she, she's younger or older? She's older. Older. Okay. Um, 
all right so yeah i mean that yeah it's a little different doctor and a poker player but you know that's, yeah, well, like, whatever yeah. it's, a, it's it's a good mix um what if okay if tomorrow poker casinos and everything related to gaming or gambling are banned over the world what would you do I would love to be a teacher, actually. I, when I was young, I would play like imaginary school and I would pretend that I was a teacher and all my stuffed animals were my kids in class. And I just remember having a really good experience actually with my fourth grade teacher. Her name was Mrs. Palmer. Um, that'd be so funny if she happened to watch this. Um, and she was like the best she just gave me she just was so nice and so supportive and such a caring person and it just made me realize that i wanted to have the same kind of impact on a kid's life that she had on mine because i I, to this day i still remember her just because she was so warm and she made school such a like friendly welcoming place to go to and sometimes school doesn't feel like that so that's awesome. Well, I hope she's watching and hello. Get in touch with me. Slide into my DMs, Miss Palmer. Miss Palmer, come on. Let's see if you're there. Uh, if you uh, if you started to play poker again, which format would you choose to learn the game? So if you had to start right now, how would you how would you recommend to learn poker? Like what's the best way to kind of get going? So you're behind. Like- you're behind everyone. If you're starting now, you're a little behind. It's not it's not impossible, but yes. It's it's very difficult to I like I'm not gonna lie it's difficult to get into the game now. Um, I would say starting with some training sites is probably a really good way to go because it gives you the visual you know for different learners it gives them the visual but a lot of those people have a highly theoretical based background and so you get the best of both worlds and I think it's easier to maintain and retain that type of information that way um because i just think books become outdated you know nowadays i feel like if you write a poker book on strategy strategy is evolving so quickly that by the time it gets published and by the time some people go buy it it might not even be as helpful anymore so i just think you know watching training videos or watching poker go streams where you see the whole cards up for the best players in the world i don't really know how you could beat that Right. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. More fun to learn that way as well. Um, what starter cards do you like? I guess that means uh, what's your favorite hand? I mean, aces, like obviously aces, but what's your, what's like, okay. what's a fun so hand for you? My favorite hand because I, my favorite hand is obviously aces yeah. and it's not, it's not boring. It just is aces because I like, why wouldn't you want the best starting hands? Um, but my second favorite hand is Jack 10 suited. Okay, that that's got a lot of potential. Do you play a little short deck? Speaking of that, I know that's a very powerful short deck hand. Yeah, no, I actually don't really play short deck, but I like. I know that Jack Ten and those type of hands are good hands, so I feel like short deck might be my game then. There you go. Short deck is uh, it's getting some popularity. I don't know if it'll take over No Limit Hold'em or PLO, but it's uh, it's definitely catching. So when you do you play the mixed games, correct? Horse and everything. What's your what's your favorite games? What what games do you think you're best at besides No Limit Hold'em? I think my second best game probably has to be Omaha Eight or Better because it's a flop game. I learned I started out as a limit hold'em player, and so Omaha Eight or Better kind of became an easy game to transition to because it's also a flop game. I feel like other than that, I think I find Stud High to be probably the most challenging game for me. I would say that's probably like my weakest uh, point in the mix game. But I love Badusi. I love Badesi. I play a lot of those kind of more outside of the box variants just because coming from LA, those games were invented there. And 
in LA, there were so many people playing mixed games long before people started watching, you know, 50K Players Championship and thinking that mixed games were cool. There were tons of people out in LA playing a ton of mix back in the day. And I kind of got on the bandwagon really early. So yeah, I want to, I want to dive into the mixed games. I, I like the, give us a tip for Omaha eight or better. Cause I love that game. I find myself in those, those WSOP events every summer. And like, you know, I, I, I like to think I'm pretty good at it, but I, I I'm okay. I think, but I, give me, give me, give us a tip. Maybe if you're not sure in this game, how, you've heard of it, you've maybe played it, but what's something you would just say like a basic strategy someone might not know. I mean, well, let's start with the best starting hand, which is ace, ace, deuce, three, double suited. And the reason why that's the best hand is obviously you want to make the nutted hand both ways. Obviously, you want. So that's my second tip for people is you want hands that can scoop the high and the low. You're not really playing for half. You want to play for scoops or you want to play for hands where you can three quarter someone. So always make sure that you have a good high possibility and a good low possibility. So obviously a wheel is the best low hand that you can make. That's why ace deuce is a very, are two very important cards to have in your hand. And then of course, aces being a really good high hand to start with. And then the double suited because then you can make flushes and nut flushes um so yeah right. you want to scoop the whole pot you you're want, not playing you want all of it you're not playing for halves all right a lot of ties though there are a lot of ties in that game but it's it is yeah. fun that's a fun fun variation of poker um yeah someone asking how to get a female into poker asking for a friend i, I don't know uh yeah do you have any suggestions to get more women to play or if you have a you know if you want to you know, it's not really like a date thing, you know, it's not like, oh, let's go to the casino and play some some poker. But how do you think we could get some more females in the in the play? Like, is there anything off the top of your head? Yeah, but I do think it's cool to like, let's say, you know, I had a friend who doesn't really play poker, but let's say she was looking to do something different one night. I think it would be cool if you're already a poker player to be like, hey, do you want to come with me to play poker? Um, you can sit behind me and watch for a little bit. And then maybe if you like it, then the next time we go, we'll play at the same table and we can sit next to each other and kind of have a little bit of that home game feel where you feel comfortable because you know there's someone at the table that you know that kind of has your back and will watch out for you because sometimes it can be intimidating to sit down at a poker table in a casino. Um, but yeah, I feel like sometimes I've had friends who would be like, Oh yeah, I've never played poker. And I always end up talking them out of playing poker for some reason, but I'm like, wait a minute, if someone shows interest in playing, why don't I kind of show them the ropes? I would have loved to have, especially another female, you know, show me the ropes when I was first starting out. Yeah. I I think that's, yeah, it's true. It's a good way to do it. It'd be nice to get, get some more females into the game. So we'll see how that, that uh, pans out. This is a very interesting question. You did talk about it earlier slightly, but just kind of give your opinion. Do you think, so if you're recommending to the World Poker Tour, do you think the late WPT final tables is a good idea? You kind of went through the merits on both sides, but let's say you get to make the call, yes or no. Delay it or just run it the next day or day off in between? What, what would you do? Well, as far as I know, just speaking to some people at the World Poker Tour, a big reason why they did it is just a sustainability issue because, you know, it, it's a lot it, It's a lot of manpower. It's a lot of money to move the set from place to place. So I think having one place for it makes more sense. And that's why they just have the delayed final tables because then they can group it into having a few at a time. Um, but personally, as I had already said, if I could make the call from a player standpoint, no, I, I wouldn't want that. But I get that if you want a really high production value, which WPT obviously has, then you kind of need to because it just, 
it's not cheap to put on a really high-end poker production, especially if you have to fly a ton of crew out there to set up the final table, to set up the set. It's it's a there's a lot of work, it's a lot of money, and so you know I get where they're coming from for sure. Yeah, it does. That makes a lot of sense. But I'm with you. Uh, same reasoning. Um, what is one skill set you use to exploit recreational players to your advantages on the poker tables? Well, I think recreational players just aren't really that aware of tells that they're giving off, whether it's bet sizing tells or physical tells. I think recreational players, because they don't play as often, they haven't really trained themselves to keep all of those things in check. Whereas when you're a professional, you play so much more that you become very aware of all those things. So I think that just being really perceptive and observant at the poker table is the best skill set that I have that I can use against those players. Well said. Who is your favorite player? It could mean anything to you. It doesn't mean, you know, who, who do you like to watch or who's kind of like, it could be over the years or now, like who, who's like someone you're just like, you know, if you see on Poker Go, they're going to play, you're just not going to miss. I mean, I feel like this is such a cliche answer, but I have to go with Daniel because Daniel is a hybrid of somebody who plays high level poker, but is also really entertaining. Sometimes you don't get both in one. There's not a dull moment when Daniel's at the poker table. Daniel's someone that when he sits down, he could get the whole table talking. The whole table could be silent before he sits down and he really gets people to engage and makes it interesting and fun to watch. And you know, the whole Daniel shtick of calling out the cards and table talking you. Daniel, there's pretty much nobody else in the world that's better than Daniel at table talk and his his game is so good like he could really get inside your head talking to you and get you to give off a ton of information and so that's always so fun to watch because that's actually the whole speech play thing is something i'm really bad at like i tried it once and i failed miserably like i was trying to get the guy to fold and me talking to him made him call and like ever since then i've been traumatized i'm like no more speech play maria you, you're not cut out for that yeah that's uh I, it is fun i enjoy talking i think it's great but it's it's uh it's true. I would say Antonio and and Daniel are probably the two mm-hmm. most that just really like no matter what they'll get you to give something, whether it's uncomfortability sure. or to engage. So yeah, those guys, I would say those guys are up there. It's just you know they've been around doing it forever and really fun to watch. Um, I'm with yeah. you on that. Uh, do you find it difficult to find time to work on your game since you've started commentating more over the past year? So, you know, I guess even just kind of spar from that, I don't think it's necessarily commentary, but just in general, like with your schedule and traveling and doing other things, do you, do you find time to work on your game or as much as you would like? Well, it's interesting because I think when I do commentate, that is me working on my game, actually, because we get to see these whole cards up and I'm kind of learning from these players, too, as I'm commentating on them. Because if a good player does something interesting, then I'm like, oh, well, well, I had never considered taking that line. But and then I'll just try to think whether it's out loud or to myself later, I'll be like, huh, I want to try to figure out why they thought that that was a good line to take or what did they do well or what worked. So commentating actually helps me work on my game and I surprisingly do still find time to work on my game because I think I make that a priority you know I am super super busy but I really do try to set aside some time every week to do that for sure I'm with you as well I enjoy doing commentary it's fun it's it is a way you're kind of like locked into learning you're just like in there and you get to see some really great players generally at a final table um you know it's that's that's true it's a it's a nice way to study uh, do you feel more recognized as a poker commentary commentator or as a player? I 
I mean, I have people coming up to me for both. I, I like the people that approach me are so nice and so complimentary. And I have, you know, my fair share of people saying, oh, Marie, I love watching you play. But then in the last couple of years, I also have had a ton of people coming up to me saying, well, I've learned so much from your commentary. You know, I feel like you are really good at explaining things this way or that way. And so, yeah, I think these days it's a mixture of both because a lot of the poker fans, obviously, if, if they don't see me play, they can they hear me talk about hands and now they kind of just see me as one person that does all of those things so that's from lady floppy i believe in bot lady gaming is also in the chat they're asking a bunch of great questions do you do you like so wsop la i'm sure at the bike those type of places you're going to get recognized a fair amount people are going to stop and, and say hi and chat but do you do you find yourself in la or vegas like are people coming up to you and do they recognize you from poker a lot do you get a lot or more so just like poker fans or like are you you know do you get bothered a fair amount or how, how does that work for you, with you you know what's so funny is right after the amazing race tiffany and i got recognized a lot but only when we were together so like people just automatically in their minds remembered us as a pair and so if i was by myself i didn't get recognized that much and if tiffany was by herself she didn't get recognized that much when we were together we got recognized so much and these days we actually still kind of have a few people every now and then that come up to us that remember us from the race but as far as from poker yeah i i'm very surprised sometimes by who ends up recognizing me like literally two days ago i'm in la i'm just walking to my car i looked like shit by the way and some guy like some really cute guy was like hi maria and i'm like and i don't know him so i'm sure he recognized me but i like didn't even want to say anything because i looked like i looked so haggard i was so tired that day um but but, like like that will happen right and then you don't know necessarily if that's from maybe poker or could have been maybe an old like from raisin race so that's kind of cool or like one time I was like stuffing my face at a restaurant and then I go home and I look at my Twitter and somebody added me and said, were you at Cafe Marmalade or whatever today? And I'm just like, oh God, like it's so weird to feel like people are watching you when you don't know someone's watching you because you're just like doing your thing. You don't, know? Don't, take like, a, don't take us in the Matrix talk. I'm telling you, it's get, it's creating crazy out there. I, I don't know what's going on. There's too much technology and, and wild stuff, but that, that uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, what are your plans for the WSOP. So talk me through your schedule. And I want to understand, have you kind of made a hybrid like over, let's say what, 13, 14 years now? I don't know, in that range of playing. You know, I'm sure there's some summers you've gotten burned out. Some summers you've maybe not played enough or done things. Do you find you have a good routine now? Like, you know how much to rest, balance? Do you take days off? Are you, are, do you play every event? Like, are you pretty much, or will you actually take a full day off and just reset and then hop in the next one? What's your kind of game plan and, and strategy in that? Yeah, so I have 30 to 40 events on my schedule this summer as I have pretty much the last six or seven summers. And before I would push myself super hard, I definitely got burnt out. But the older that I've gotten, the more I realized it's about quality, not quantity. So even if I have that many events on my schedule, if I feel like I'm getting burnt out, I won't push myself to play um, because I feel like I play better poker when I want to play and when I'm really well rested. And so if I'm not those things, then I just don't make myself go just because it's the world series. But I also feel like I do really good things to manage my burnout too. Like I have good schedules during the world series. I try to get a lot of sleep. I do yoga. I meditate. I work out. I try to eat healthy. So I try to do all those things that kind of prevent me from burning out anyways. And I feel like that's really helped. I've been able to sustain 
this 30 to 40 tournament schedule pretty well. Like I pretty much haven't skipped anything in the last few years, even though I'm open to skipping. Right. Yeah. It's a Vegas to the climate. It's very dry. You get caught in some bad sleep mm-hmm. schedules, uh, going out. I mean, there's so many people that, you know, in a, in a space, like it's basically, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's a carnival. Essentially. It's like a EDC, like for a month and a half long of just, you know, it's just like everyone's there, you know, so it's just like hard to say at some point, someone's gonna say, Hey, let's go out or like, let's go to dinner. And it's just, it's kind of tough to, to just get into your own zone. So I think, yeah, like doing, being, being a veteran, having a lot of experience helps with that. Sounds like you're definitely, definitely have a good routine and know what's going on. Um, will you get to England to play the millions UK event in January? Stephen Booth asking, have you been to the, uh, have you been to the Nottingham, uh, Rob Young's facility dust till dawn? Have you been there? No, I actually haven't been there. And there's a chance I might go. I mean, it's obviously a great price pool. And I'm sure, you know, they have really good side events and a good schedule. Um, I don't travel to Europe as much now as I used to. I used to travel a lot more around the world uh, to play. But now I kind of try to stay more in the States when I can. So there's a chance I'll be out there. Um, that's I, I think, you know, that's like the that's the last one. They have this promotion about the 10K. So that I haven't been there as well. I want to check it out. I want to go over there. Have you played? You didn't go to Rio, I don't believe, right? And you were not in Montreal, or were you? I didn't see you there. Montreal. I didn't go to Rio. I've been to the Caribbean Poker Party. You know, I've been to a few party poker events. Okay, so that's a it's a possibility. Yeah, there are so many now. It's hard for it's hard to really do do everything. Uh, a couple sure. more questions. We got a giveaway to do, and it's crazy. I, I actually this might be the most. I, I just uh, we're already. We're, we're knocking these out. There's some great questions. So I, you know, I kind of got taken over here on my, on the own podcast. We just got like a, 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 a audience takeover. Um, someone asking about the, what was it like doing the commentary on, I saw it. It was about us doing for, oh yeah. How was your experience as a partner of Jeff Gross and commentator club WPT king of the club? It feels like a while ago now, but that was one season. I think we did two days or two different times. I forget, but eight episodes maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it was, I mean, so like you and I, we've known each other for a long time, obviously. And we've always, you know, we've been friends and we've had like a good rapport, um, but we've never really worked together. So it was really fun though. I feel like you and I really found our groove really quickly. And from everything I heard, everybody that watched it really enjoyed us together um, in that role. So I, I had a really, really good time doing that. And, you know, if they ever brought the show back, I would love to do that again with you because I just, I think it's a really cool show. I think it's a really cool format. I think the people get this experience that they don't normally get. And these people are super excited to get to play like a full on WPT experience without having to pay that kind of buy-in and just winning their way in through club WPT. So yeah, I think it's a cool show and I would love to do that again. Yeah. I hope we get a chance to, I heard it did do well, but I actually was out of the country and I didn't get to see it. And I don't, I'm sure there's somewhere to find, I, did you get to watch some of those? Cause I didn't get, I saw a couple of clips. I didn't actually get to like see the, yeah. the show progress and I want to see it, but I just didn't know where to do it. Cause I was, I was in Brazil and didn't have it for that yeah. during the time it aired. Yeah, I watched. I've watched like a couple. I saw it, you know, on on FSN and stuff when it aired. But yeah. isn't it, isn't it funny, like doing commentary and stuff? Like I remember always thinking, like, oh, I want to be a, con- I want to do broadcasting, I want to do Poker Go and these things, and then get to do some of it, and then I never watch it. Like I never go back and like watch the broadcast. But it's kind of one of those things because the same with Twitch. Like I like being on Twitch and stuff, but I don't go back. I'm not like 
I'm not watching the, you know, it's because it takes a lot of time as well already. And then it's like, you don't have six, you're not going to go back and see it. But it's kind of funny to like look back and do you, do you watch like, will you watch your final table from yesterday, for example? Like that, would you get to maybe scroll through? It's nice. You can kind of just scroll through like hands as well. And I feel like I got a lot of the information that I needed from the people watching the stream so that so that I could make the adjustments in real time. So I'm not really curious about any hands because I know those hands and what my opponents had already. And also, like, sometimes I don't like watching myself. I feel kind of cringe. I'm like, okay, Maria, I don't like the way you play that. Or Maria, what kind of face is that that you're making? So I don't know. I just don't I'm, do I'm, it. I'm in the same boat. Um, all right. Let's uh... – Let's knock out. We'll do several more here. Then we'll let Maria draw this uh, winner. And then we will, you know, Maria's, she's one of those, uh, she's got that presence, hopefully a multiple podcast guest. So we don't have to, we don't have to blow it all out here on one. I know she may play the 50K. She may sleep. It sounds like you had a long night, not much sleep so far. So can't, can't hog it too much. Um, what is your proudest achievement? Um, I think my proudest achievement to date has to be being inducted into the Women in Poker Hall of Fame um, the first year that I was eligible, just because once again, it's still one of those things where I don't know exactly what it means in the long term to have the separation of having a Women in Poker Hall of Fame and having just an open Hall of Fame. Um, but I'm not eligible for the open hall of fame yet. You have to be 40 guys. I'm not that old. Okay. Um, I'm just kidding. 40 is not old. No, it's 40's not. not old. 40's young, Maybe 40 is young. But no, I mean, it was such a great honor because there's literally women that paved the way for me to do what I do now. The Linda Johnsons, the Jennifer Harmons, those people, Barbara Enright, those are the people that were the pioneers for us. You know, nowadays women talk about how uncomfortable it still is sometimes to play in these environments. I mean, can you imagine what it was like 20 or 30 years ago? Like I could not even imagine. I probably would have quit. I probably wouldn't have made it back then, honestly. And so, it's just an honor to be voted in by those people that I look up to and admire so much. You know, I think they're badasses and, um, and yeah, and to me, it is something that I feel like I can take for with me forever. You know, these tournaments, the money you win, you might not hang on to that. You might not have that 30 or 40 years from now, but to kind of know that I'm in this among this really elite group of people that I look up to is something that will stay with me forever. Absolutely. Um, wanted also in terms of wanted ask about you're speaking about not being old, which you're not, and neither is forty. And the, you know, we're all. I think well, we might live forever. It'll be us or our children's generation. We'll uh, we'll, we'll see. But how, what about kids? Do you would you see? Is that something you would like to have? Are you opposed to it? Not opposed? See what happens? How do you? What's your stance on children and and having? Because it's hard. It's like a dog. You know, it's hard to have and travel and do poker. You know, children. I'm learning myself here. Month in. You know, it's it's a it's a lot. Uh, where do you where what do you think on that? Well, congrats on the newborn. I obviously knew already, but Thank just you. official congrats. Yeah. Um, you don't look that tired, by the way. You look like you look fresh. My, I feeing, feel okay. My wife, though, is a, she's the champion. You know, she's the one waking up breastfeeding all night. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I can't really claim a lot, but I'm, I'm involved. You know, I'm here. I'm not at the World Series. I'm around trying to help what I can. But yeah, she's a, she's a trooper. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with kids, there was definitely a point in my life where I was okay, for sure. I definitely want kids. I'm definitely having kids. But I had a time frame for that, and that time frame kind of has passed already. So now that I'm past that time frame, I'm more in this place where it's like, 
I want to have children, but I want it to be with the right person in the right situation. So if that doesn't happen for me, then I would be okay with not having children. I would definitely consider adopting, even just as a single mother when I'm older, if, if that doesn't happen. But like I said, I don't want to force it because if I'm already at this age where I was like, oh, I thought I would have kids like I thought I would have like three kids by now already and I have none. So now I don't really want to force it. And I just want it to be the best situation possible for me to have a family. And so we'll see what happens with that. All right. That's, that's fair. Um, man, so many good questions, guys. We really do have to get close it down here. I'm going to do a couple more. Uh, what are you most thankful for that poker has given you? Uh, the most, the things that I'm most thankful for has to be just, freedom i feel like i have this opportunity to do so many different things with my time and with my energy because poker gives me kind of the freedom to pick my own schedule to be my own boss um but also it's given me the the financial freedom to do things that are really important to me like philanthropy is so so important to me and through poker i feel like you know, I ear, like I designate an amount every year of what I make and I donate that to charities. And I feel like there's, you know, other things that I could be doing, other careers, career paths I could have chosen where I wouldn't have that flexibility necessarily because, um, you know, people can become millionaires from playing poker. It's life changing. And so, you know, if and when I get a really big score, I feel like I can use that to help change other people's lives, too. Absolutely. Um, couldn't agree with you more. You are spot on on all of the questions, Maria. I really, you are a professional. You're very good at, at uh, you know, the whole, you're, you're a great ambassador for poker. Uh, we are going to do a couple more here. I think this is, again, like I said, it'd be great to have you on another time. So we, we know you got to, you know, you're up against it. You just fresh off. A th how much was it? 300 and how much? 300 350,000 or something, yeah. So a lot of thousands came in yesterday from Rhea, fresh off her WPT in Vegas. She's living the dream uh, in the summer, off to a fast start before basically the World Series is even underway. Um, what's your, oh, this is a very interesting hand. What's your opinion on the famous pocket tens hand? I know Doug made a video. Would you do anything differently? That was a crazy hand. Like, in a, a World you final table the World Series main event, the Europe edition, but the main nonetheless, huge money. Um, you know, that was a, that was like, I believe two tables left or deep in that you know you folded a set i think there was like a five-way flop it was three hearts yeah. maybe 10 high or jet no jack high or jack high, yeah. jack high talk to me about that hand quickly about just kind of would you basically would you do anything differently guys you could google it and check it out there's a very interesting hand uh very dynamic yeah. talk about the situation a little bit <laughs> It's definitely become a very infamous hand, the most infamous one I've ever been involved in. And it's honestly a once in a lifetime hand, like the dynamics, the stack sizes, how many players were, it was, it was four ways in a three bet pot, which very rarely happens. And pretty much everybody's stack sizes, except for one person was, had like pot behind essentially. Um, and so it's just kind of a situation that will never come up again. And so, yeah, would I do anything differently? No, honestly, because to me, I know what the right decision is. Like I know what the GTO play is. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I chose to deviate from that because of other factors, because of future game, because of the edge that I think that I can have with the stack size that I have behind and how easy it is. I thought I could pick up chips um, without having to risk my tournament life 
I might have overvalued my tournament life in that spot just because, I mean, we were really deep. I think there were 30 people left, but it wasn't like ICM necessarily considerations. It wasn't like final table ICM or something like that. But um, I wouldn't have done anything differently because at the end of the day, I chose to deviate from what I knew the right play was. And sometimes you do that and you don't have to really explain yourself because you have, you know, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I'm a thinking player. And so I took all of those things into consideration. It was a very long tank before I folded. I didn't like insta fold. Um, I had to weigh all of the factors and I decided to fold and I'm okay with that. And I can, you know, live with that decision. Um, not everyone's going to understand it, but I probably wouldn't do it anything different and you did end up final tabling and you had i know you were in i think you believe you're a chip leader at the final table i, I know you scored so yeah. right so i mean you can't you know there you look at that you were right you you put yeah, yourself guys, in, yeah boom <laughs> you got you put yourself in position to to win the whole thing so you know uh yeah so there you go um couple jeff i love this we have a natural cutoff time because my um computer just says low battery and it so it has seven minutes left so wow that's what happened to Grandu. he said you got until my laptop dies uh that's that's a good answer we're gonna take one more question and then we're gonna do the two more quick ones that are super quick have you ever played with jungle man he's a hot topic now with his meditation photos and everything going on have you played with jungle <laughs> Um, I think I played with Jungle once a while ago, and I see Jungle, and I've interviewed Jungle uh, doing some sideline stuff uh, for some of the high rollers, and he is a very interesting fellow. Yes, he is. We had a we had a podcast uh, live in person in Miami here recently, so he uh, he's definitely entertaining, and he's a legend. For so sure. there you go. Uh, what do you think of Phil Helmuth as a player, person, whatever? That's a question. Have Phil Helmuth? I know you probably played a lot with him. Yeah. I mean, Phil Helmuth is someone I consider to be my friend. Uh, he's an awesome guy off the poker tables. On the poker tables, of course, he has his persona. And a part of it is part of who he is because he's just a very competitive person. But a part of it is I think he knows that that's become his shtick, you know? So you just have to know to separate the Phil Helmuth from the Phil Helmuth at the poker table from the one off the table. I think he's a great guy off the table. So, yeah. Okay, there you go, guys. I am just in case we. I'm gonna maybe ask one more, but I'm gonna just cut, copy, paste. If you get the retweet question out, we're gonna go here. We're gonna copy the link. Technology is fun. We're gonna go here to the competition agency tweet draw, and someone's gonna win a thirty-three dollar ticket courtesy of Maria. And well, Party Poker's providing Maria's timing it, so you know you can thank whoever you want. But someone's winning thirty-three. <laughs> so Maria, tell me when, and I will do that. All right, starting from now. Yeah, whenever you want. You tell me when. No. All right. Copy paste. Someone is going to scoop a 33. It is. I have all right, no idea how to pronounce that. Zyvaganovs Good for you. That is uh, 33 coming in. We will message you and uh, Maria. We. I don't want to. I don't want to die. I don't want to have a laptop die on on stream yeah. live. So let's let that close down. Someone asked your biggest score. We can show right here. Hen and Mob was at 540 second place World Series. Yeah. Right here yep. it is. Hen and Mob guys, check her out on there check out her website check out her poker go um she's got there the final tables up from yesterday i uh, don't i won't even spoil it but well she got third but you can see the hand and, and all the, the the fun stuff there that was an entertaining final table i did scroll through today and watched a good bit of it she has a website she's got instagram with live popping stories uh that from <laughs> last night if you want to see i'm going to check it out if you want to be entertained and then also always on twitter maria ho there's her holding her 
uh, Global Poker Award Broadcaster of the Year last year. Congratulations again on that. And again, Maria and I have a lot of synergy. Well, I'm sure maybe one day we'll be hosting a, a poker show together. And I will ha- love to have you back on the show. And again, a total class uh, blast. Great time. Thank you for coming. Enjoy your, your win. Good luck in the 50K or whatever else you're playing. And I will see you in Vegas uh, sometime later this summer. Alec here soon. Thanks for having me on. I'll definitely be back. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Again, this is up on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. All the podcasts were finally up. These will be uploaded, and you can listen to that for your enjoyment in the future. We'll thank Maria again, and we will see you guys soon for a Sunday stream. I have a home game as well as a – we're going to be firing some high-stakes action. And, of course, State Kings, you got a piece on there if you like. So have a great day, everyone. Brought to you by Party Poker. Let's take over the podcast game. Let's get it going. We're having a ton of fun and we are a daddy. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.